This is Marco Reus. This is Shinji Kagawa. This is Nuri Shahin. Hello, this is Jaden Sancho. And you're listening to the Yellow Wall Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 343 of the Yellow Wall Pod. I'm your host, Stefan Butzko, and today we will talk about Dortmund's 2-0 win against Arminia Bielefeld. And we will take a look at the upcoming Champions League game against FC Brügge. For all that and more, joins me Matthias Zug. Hello, Matthias. How are you doing? I am quite tired, but other than that, I'm doing well. How are you, Stefan? <laughs> My lower back hurts because uh, instead of preparing... Uh, scrupulously for this podcast I was busy building a kitchen island and yesterday pretty much all Sunday we were still painting some walls in the house so in other news I feel a little bit knackered as well Um, so yeah this, this should be a very fun episode then <laughs> Um, but uh, the good thing is there's so much excitement ahead of us now like the game against Bielefeld Oh wait, um, that was uh, that wasn't the prettiest one, Matthias. But uh... <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. I'm I'm awake. I'm awake. You said Bielefeld, and I mean, I didn't even know it still existed. <laughs> yeah, last night I uh, made the uh, conscious decision to circumvent that little conspiracy theory. Um, but uh, yeah, I think we also got the uh, tunnel prediction correct, which uh, in the end it was. Um, so um, the episode title will uh, most likely, you know, usually I, I pick an episode title after the episode, but right now it's probably going to be called the Hummels Conundrum, just because uh, we were talking about whether to rest him or not to rest him. And uh, in this game, he both showed that A, you can't really rest him because he's very important and B, you really absolutely need to rest him or he'll pick up an injury. So uh, yeah, that's a bit problematic, but... Um, Matthias, apart from Hummels playing and scoring two goals and uh, then uh, picking up an injury which may or may not rule him out for the upcoming two games or at least one game, um, a couple of other things happened as well. Um, Dortmund stuck with the back four, but uh, in uh, midfield we had uh, Bellingham and Delaney, if I'm not mistaken, and then uh, we had... Uh, Marco Royce up front and Julian Brandt on the number 10 as Arling Haaland got a rest or was also out with this with a knock or knee injury according to the Dortmund accounts so what did you make of uh, this overall approach by the black and yellows and Mr. Favre whose birthday is today so happy birthday Lulu <laughs> uh, I don't even know how to follow up after Lulu um, <laughs> no I mean yeah I I, I think we talked about it not too long ago that, you know, Holland needs a rest. Um, and when he does get a rest, what then, you know, who, who jumps in, who plays that position? Marco Reus, probably the most logical, the most direct. He's the less, the least likely player to then be in an advanced position and then hold up the ball or, or not hold up the ball, but then slow it down and pass to someone else, but have a more direct eye for goal. But Still not really an out-and-out -out striker, obviously. 
Um, but I, you know, it's the kind of match you look at Bielefeld and go, yeah, this is probably the kind of match you could do some of that stuff. I thought Bellingham and Delaney worked well together. Uh, Dahoud got a deserved rest. It's all a very weird sentence for me to say, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, um, but I think overall it was okay. Uh, Bielefeld really didn't do much of anything. Um, so, I mean, Dortmund now back to back having pretty uneventful, easy training session wins in the Bundesliga against Schalke and Bielefeld. Um, I think, uh, it's not a stretch to say that that's not going to quite be the case next weekend. Um, or honestly during the week against Brugge and obviously we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute, but yeah, it was kind of a, I don't know, a meh game. I mean, Dortmund really didn't have to do much to win. They were clearly the better side. They created some good scoring opportunities already early, but didn't utilize them. I can think of one from Julian Brandt in particular. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it wasn't a Arbeitssieg in the sense that Bielefeld really made Dortmund work for it. They didn't make, I mean, it was just kind of, yeah, okay, it was a game. Fine, you know. I mean, it that that's how I watched it live. I was kind of like, yeah, all right. So they won. Okay, next game. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Uh, I, I guess this is the takeaway here. I mean, um, it it took a little for that one to break Armenia down. I mean, you already mentioned the uh, the opportunities that that one had. Manuel Kanji, I think, had a very good one at the far post after Bellingham cross first time into the box, and obviously. Mats Hummels had this outrageous Außenrist out of the boot pass uh, to Jaden Sancho, who heads in then straight at Ortega. Um, but yeah, I forgot to mention, obviously, that uh, Felix Paslak and Torgen Hazard also started on uh, Dortmund's left side. Um, so that was uh, also very helpful to give Gio Reyna and Rafael Guerrero a rest. Um, but yeah, otherwise, um, it's 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 very good to see that Dortmund rotate and... Uh, yeah, in the end, I am very happy that in in recent games Dortmund really um, are dangerous when it comes to set pieces. And uh, obviously that was the case when uh, Mats Hummels scored the, the the corner, I think was maybe slightly deflected by Thomas Meunier. And uh, he ju just sort of stumbled it over the line, but... Uh, you know, uh, in, in the right position. And then obviously a couple of minutes later, I think almost 20 or so, uh, a very fine header, uh, which then was, I think, assisted by Marco Royce. Really good cross. Um, so, yeah, I'm in many ways very happy with this game. I mean, the expected goals is what you would expect from a game like this. It's uh, 2.7 to Dortmund to uh, 0 0.2 for Arminia Bielefeld. And uh, I'm a little bit miffed. I have to say that uh, Marcel Hartel got uh, two shots on target. Uh, because otherwise Dortmund would have gone three consecutive games without allowing a single shot on Berkey's frame. But uh, I mean, the, the shots that Berkey had to save were really routine saves. They were threaded to keep her from distance. Uh, I don't really recall a chance where Bielefeld were even threatening in the slightest. And um, I think that's the highest price you can give Dortmund in uh, a run of seven games within 22 days. And obviously a match where you have to rotate quite heavily and, you know, a team that doesn't really have anything to offer other than trying to be ultra defensive. And um, 
you know, Dortmund have slipped up in these games before, but this time they are very diligent, um, defend very well, they they rotate the ball a lot. Is it something where you sit on the edge of the seat on, on, on the sofa or whatever? Probably not, but uh, I don't think that's, that's a game that really matters. Uh, it's just that you come away with three points and have a professional performance because it's a type of game where um, Dortmund obviously do not overwhelm the opponent with... Uh, uh, oozing amounts of pressure just because Dortmund right now are not in the in, in the setting to do that so um, you know this is where you do need the patience as Lucien Favre often preaches and then hope for the breakthrough and so when it comes like eight minutes into the second half should be good enough and uh, yeah I was pretty sure that Dortmund would just put this game away at some point and they did and now they're in second place and the next game is obviously Bayern and thanks to Leipzig losing to Gladbach now uh, their classica <laughs> will be uh, second against first so um, that's a little excitement to look forward to but uh, back to the Bielefeld game Matthias um, we have already talked about this a little bit in uh, the the previous show but uh, again Dortmund very um, mature now um, very uh, back for with with Lucien Favre obviously Um do you think this is the right approach for Lucien Favre to um, really get the most out of this team result-wise, even if it's not the easiest on the eyes? I think so. I mean, talked about it last week, just in terms of uh, the the personnel at his disposal. I mean, what are you going to do? Uh, you don't have Chan, you don't have Zagadou. Uh, if now Hummels... For, you know, doesn't get to play one or both matches, uh, God forbid, well then, I mean, you have no choice but to play a back four. So now having played the back four now for a few matches, the team is more comfortable with it again. It doesn't feel as odd as it did in during preseason. That's for sure. It definitely looks better than it did in preseason. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of what you got to do at the given time. Uh, I don't want opponent in the coming weekend. They're going to be without Zula because he has a positive COVID test. So I didn't even just, know that yet. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those things you kind of have to deal with in this very odd year and odd season that we're going to have. Um, but uh, it's good to know that there are options and that they can, they could theoretically go to a back three eventually again. I would advise against it right now because you just don't have the the players to do so. So continuing at the back four, I think is the right decision to do at this time. Um, Paslak having played against Bielefeld, that lets me think that Guerrero will probably play against Brugge and Bayern, depending on uh, fitness levels. So I think Favre is managing the side actually exceptionally well right now. I don't have any any rotational issues, the results obviously help. I mean, if things don't go well, then, well, you can second guess it, but he's doing a good job right now, and he has to be credited for that. Yeah, you know, my point is also, we all know, and we've discussed this at, at length before, that Lucien Favre is very unlikely to keep his job at Dortmund uh, beyond this season, unless obviously something uh, big happens where he... Um, wins the title, the Bundesliga or um, the Champions League or something like that. <laughs> um, so that's obviously um, not 
extremely likely to happen given how great Bayern are this year again, sadly. And uh, so Dortmund playing like this is still maybe the best way for, for them to, to get these results. And yes, obviously Bielefeld are a team that Dortmund maybe put away if they play a little bit differently. But, um, you know, this, this feels like, you know, very <laughs> Dortmund playing a bit on the slow burn, if that makes sense. So, um, yeah, there's there's uh, not too many things to, to bicker about here. Um, the only thing that really annoys me is obviously the uh, Mats Hummels injury. Do you think uh, he just got too greedy as he was on a hat-trick uh, when he took that shot to try to make 3-0? Because I think the extension of, of his leg, which uh, looked a bit more like street fighter than a footballer, uh, maybe this is where he uh, got the pull in the hamstring. I think he said after the game, that he felt more of a pull than a sting, so it should not be too bad. So there's hope that he might win the race against time for Wednesday. Um, I don't know if he has traveled with the team to Bruges, but I assume um, that he won't make this game, and I think he's very touch-and-go for the Bayern game. Um, maybe maybe Dortmund are lucky, but uh, you know I'm actually not holding my breath, and obviously this is a huge blow. Because if anything, this game really underscored how great Mats Hummels is and what kind of form he is. And uh, before the injury occurred, I was uh, already a bit anxious on Twitter, um, which is probably not warranted. But um, that that in this form, you know, he might actually be called up to the national team and doesn't get the two weeks of rest, which are very helpful for for a guy like Hummels right now. Um, but then I realized that Thomas Müller is, you know, playing quite amazingly. Uh, the the past year and uh, he hasn't received his call back to the national team um, but yeah I think Mats Hummels uh, right now the way he plays is in a very commanding way uh, really you know it's, it's on his A game right now and uh, yeah for the way Dortmund play it's absolutely crucial because he just kills so many uh, could be chances and situations uh, with his uh, way of reading the game um, that, yeah, I really do wonder what happens when you take him out of this side. And this, to me, really is the, the big problem for Favre because uh, taking a player like Hummels out of a back three or a back four right now is really a struggle. So um, if we look forward to the Bruges game, Matthias, do you think that Dortmund will A, keep the back four? And uh, if Hummels is out, who would replace him? Would it be Delaney or... Do you think there will be a switch to back three, then uh, include Pischek? I, I don't know if Emre Can will test negative or not. I I think the last thing I read about him was that he still was symptomatic. Yeah, I mean, we just don't know. Uh, I think if you put together a back three, putting Delaney and Pischek in there with Akanji then probably needing to play centrally because he's the only defender. Um, Gosh, that would be really risky. Really risky, in my opinion, even though, you know, Delaney and Piszczek, uh are are fantastic and, and true warriors in the side. It's just it would be too much of a risk, in my opinion. So if you're going to do a center back pairing, then you almost kind of have to move Akanji to the left and put Piszczek in there, because at least Piszczek has played it a few more times than Delaney. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm. I'm glad I'm not in Favre's shoes right now because this is a difficult one to to pick. I I wouldn't be shocked. I mean, A, I don't think Favre's going to go away from the back four. I think it's 4-2-3-1 for the foreseeable future. 
So if we take that as a given, then the most likely scenario will be Akanji and Pishek, in my opinion. Uh, unless he's really worried about pace, but even then, Pishek isn't that slow. Um, I mean, he's still faster than Omitz <laughs> uh, when it comes to pace. So that's probably the most likely scenario. Um, I don't see Favre going to a back three after now having a few good results and performances with a back four. Yeah, that's true. I mean, uh, off the bench came, I think, um, Pischek for Hummels. So that sort of maybe answers it a little bit, but uh, who knows what they do in, in the meantime. I mean, it's not like there's uh, an awful lot of of uh, time to train on a training ground and, and to prepare for the Bruges game. I mean, it's probably just more about recuperation at this point. So, um, which is which is so absolutely crucial that Dortmund, um, in a way, are a well-oiled machine yet. Um, that is maybe not in the sense of them playing the absolute best attacking football. I think there's still a lot of room for improvement. You know, the te the players... Uh, of Nasser way too centrally and clogging up the middle and uh, the combination play isn't as, as quick as it probably needs to be, especially in the first half. Again, against Bielefeld, um, you have players taking two, three, four touches instead of trying to play one-twos in the second half. That immediately changed after the break. Um, they immediately played much faster. And uh, so so you can see that uh, Dortmund can you know, up the ante if the, if they feel like they have to, but uh, too too long and too often they feel like they don't have to. Um, so yeah, I mean, it's it's also the case that when you have this many games uh, on the string, that uh, usually you you need a while to to find your groove in a game, and it's usually the second half uh, where you can uh, play a little faster. I know it's it, it might be a little, you know, against common logic that uh, you are. It's it's almost like you are less fatigued in the second half of a game, but uh, that's often how it is in uh, football. So we also maybe need to put this into account uh, when criticizing uh, that kind of style of play. And obviously, um, you know, spaces also open against teams that defend in such a low block as the game progresses. So um, yeah, but uh, now I've lost my train of thought. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's. It's it's really great that Dortmund's uh, defensive shape right now is where it probably needs to be because um, as of now they are the best defense in the Bundesliga with just two goals conceded. I think VfL Wolfsburg are not far behind. They have three, if uh, I remember correctly. I, I haven't checked the the score of their Sunday match to be honest. It's a little awkward, but uh, anyway, Dortmund have the best Bundesliga uh, defense now. <laughs> to to take this with a little bit of grain of salt, uh, Dortmund also had the best uh, defense in 2017-2018 and that was obviously the Bosch year. So um, things turned sour quite quickly there, but um, I would say this, um, you know, under Peter Bosch, after six match, match days, Dortmund had only one uh, goal against, but right now even though they have two goals against and both came against Augsburg, I will say that uh, this does not look like they're getting overrun in every game and just riding their luck. And I think this is oh, the big difference. Sure so Yeah, it's it's way more controlled. Yeah. 
So, so this is a very mature Dortmund team right now, it's especially from a defensive uh, standpoint and uh, considering how high the rotation is sometimes and uh, or, or all the time at this moment, really, and how many changes there are to the back line. Uh, I mean, you have Paslak now and obviously to the defensive midfield as well. Um, this is this is a real positive and uh, probably as good as it can be. Maybe maybe there's even room for improvement in in that regard. But uh, you know, having watched Dortmund for quite a long time, uh, this sort of consistency over four or five games is not bad. Obviously, the Lazio game sticks out like a sore thumb here, but uh, you know, overall, uh, this is pretty pleasing. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't even want to jinx it, especially ahead of. Um, Bruges and uh, Bayern where uh, they will probably get a little bit more tested than in the last three games uh, where you know against Schalke and, and Bielefeld we we have to keep it in perspective these are not the the sort of teams that can really threaten Dortmund so we'll, we'll see about their real defensive prowess um, you know in, in the next week but uh, nevertheless uh, credit where it's due and uh, yeah, now we look forward to the game in Bruges, Matthias. Um, I have to say, this is probably a very crucial one. If you want to get a win on the road, it's either Zenit or this one. Dortmund uh, already managed to beat Bruges a couple of years ago. Um, what what are you uh, expecting of, of this one, especially in the context of Dortmund having to play Bayern next? Well, I mean, um, Dortmund, Favre will probably rest a few players that he feels like he can afford to rest. I don't know if Holland will be one of those players or not. It might be worth starting with someone other than Holland against Brugge, knowing that Bayern are next. Um, you know, I don't know much about Brugge. They don't show a lot of Belgian football on TV here. <laughs> um, you know, I mean, just... just an on paper analysis, they've been playing a three-five-two for quite a few weeks now. Uh, they're surprisingly only fourth uh, in the Belgian uh, Jupiler Pro League, uh, which is below their expectations. Uh, they did beat uh, Hannes Wolf's uh, Henk side just before Wolf got sacked again. Um, but overall, the last five matches, they've only managed one win. That was against Zenit. And they lost once against Leuven, which was kind of surprising. And then three draws, including the draw against Lazio. And that's that's the ticket right there, is they have that draw against Lazio, which obviously Dortmund were not able to produce. So the pressure is definitely on Dortmund and not on Brugge in this one, uh, because Brugge are right now in the driver's seat for at least a Europa League finish, which would be great for them. They don't have expectations to beat Dortmund, but Dortmund have to beat Brugge. If they cannot beat Brugge, I'm even saying a draw would not be a good result. Uh, this is definitely a must-win three-point victory type scenario. It doesn't have to be pretty, uh, but with the fixture congestion, how can you expect that? I would rather energy though come against Bayern because that could really be a catalyst one way or another for the tone for the rest of at least the first half of the season but this is incredibly important timing wise is it better to have Brugge than Lazio before Bayern of course but uh, from the little bit of Brugge that I've seen at least in the Champions League they're not bad they're decently coached or well coached at least 
Um, but I don't know that much about them, aside from the fact that ex-football manager Wonder Kid Balanta <laughs> is in the is is uh, is at least in the squad. He doesn't really play. He's played four times out of eleven matches this season and scored one goal. But other than that, I'm I'm not your Brugge expert for sure. Yeah, I mean, right now, they obviously, they are the part four team. And obviously, if you are Borussia Dortmund, uh, un unless it's a free group of death kind of scenario, you sort of expect them to beat the part four team twice in the Champions League. And uh, in group F, now the pressure is on a little, especially with that loss away to Lazio. So um, you are absolutely right in that regard. And uh, I mean, Dortmund can beat Bruges. It's obvious and... Uh, there's a little pressure. I mean, Lucien Favre said himself after the game against Zenit that he felt the pressure, and I think it's still on there because uh, Dortmund needed uh, Champions League money, uh, and progressing to the round of 16 obviously helps. And uh, yeah, right now, Bruges are in second place in, in Group F, and uh, Dortmund are now third. Obviously, Zenit are last. So, um, yeah, this is very interesting. Also, it's it's kind of interesting that the Champions League stays sort of on your mind the entire time because there's a game now every week instead of having like a two-week or three-week uh, break in, in between group matches or so because uh, everything is more condensed right now. Um, what I can say about Bruges is that uh, they press very well collectively. Um, I've already seen this against Zenit. And a little bit against Lazio. I haven't seen too many stretches uh, of the Lazio game. Obviously, uh, you don't press over 90 minutes, but more in phases. But um, when you say well coached, I think from what I have I can glean, I would agree with that. Um, and who scored at least tells me that they're very good at scoring direct free kicks and creating scoring chances and uh, are very good at defending set pieces and stuff like that and uh, apparently they are very heavy attacking down the wing which makes sense if they play with the uh, 352 system so um yeah we'll we'll see about them uh and and their uh, let's say aerial prowess which this team obviously has and i think helped them a little bit of containing um zenit and uh, from what i've seen against lazio it, it you know it's obviously not a game, I would say this right away, where Dortmund, like they did away to Rome, where they just try to, I don't know, punt 15 high crosses into the box and hope that Haaland or, or someone makes contact with it. Because uh, be it Brand Royce or Sancho, I don't think any of these dudes is really great at heading the ball. Uh, Gio Reyna can probably also improve in that uh, department, even though he's pretty tall and should be good at headers. But uh, this is a skill that's uh, sometimes a bit underdeveloped at uh, when it comes to Dortmund midfielders. I'm not going to lie. So, um, yeah, I, I wonder how Dortmund will break this down because I think Bruges will be very much up for it. And I also think that they will... Um, press Dortmund a little bit higher up the field than uh, we could expect of Zenit or uh, Schalke or Bielefeld for that matter. So I assume that Dortmund will be put under a little bit more stress and uh, then I hope uh, their ball circulation holds up a bit better and obviously without Hummels in that 
uh, you know, build-up phase especially, uh, you know, Dortmund might need to punt the ball a little bit more often themselves. So it would be absolutely crucial for them to have Haaland, who has improved when it comes to, uh, yeah, dealing with these long balls. But obviously you need to be accurate with that or he can't do anything about it. So, yeah, this really is a nice little test for Dortmund ahead of Bayern. And I just really, really pray that uh, nobody gets injured uh, in the midweek game or so, or, uh, you know, contracts COVID or whatever, um, because these are the risks, obviously, that uh, are now all around us <laughs> and uh, always on my mind uh, as, uh, you know, there's the next game and could always be the last game. So, yeah, I don't know what else to make of this game, Matthias, if you have anything uh, other to say, maybe highlight an individual player. Uh, obviously, I've seen that uh, Mignole is playing for them in goal and that Hans Van Aken has scored five goals and four assists so far for them. But, uh, you know, it's not like I I know much more than you about Bruges. I tried to get some uh, guys on here from Bruges, but... Uh, the problem is right now I am so short on time that I just can't find any any guests on on a very short notice. So I, I apologize, but uh, I I hope it'll it'll be better soon. Yeah, I mean the interesting thing is, of course, Belgium as a country right now is dealing with uh, some some more major COVID issues. Um, I I just know that they're locking down more and more and more. So that's that's the one thing to kind of keep an eye on. But other than that, uh, I don't have any great additional insight, which is kind of a bummer. Uh, just because, you know, the Bielefeld match was so, nah, a lot to talk about there. And now we got Brugge where it's like, in theory, there's there's some interesting stuff to talk about. But, you know, it's just we're not very Belgian football focused um, but, uh, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have any greater insight that I wouldn't be completely pulling out of my ass at this point. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if, uh, you, is, is it pronounced Jupila or Jupila or Jupiler? <laughs> the beer. I think it's, uh, Jupila. Jupila. That the, I think so. The beer that sponsors the, uh, Belgium. But I may be totally wrong. Yeah. I, I, I've, no, I've, I've no idea. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, I, I, I've never even tried the beer, so I have no idea. Have I. But I've been to Bruges, and it's absolutely gorgeous, especially in the fall. So uh, please, please, if you ever uh, get out of, uh, you know, lockdown, <laughs> I can only recommend it. Uh, it's it's just it's yeah. just a gorgeous uh, old little town, I guess, or city. And uh, yeah, I mean, the, the stadium is obviously not right in in the middle of it, but. Um, yeah, no, the, the old city part of, of Bruges is, is just, uh, is very dreamy. So, um, I'm a fan of Belgium in general. Been there a few times and it's, it's, it's a nice country. I recommend it when it's not in total lockdown. <laughs> so, you know, maybe in 2021, <laughs> dot, 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 question mark, question mark. <laughs> yeah, I like that uh, in, instead of having anything to say about the game, we're out here giving travel advice. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, come on. Anyway, prediction. I th given our our in depth analysis <laughs> and insight, I think it's time to give complete wild ass guess slash deeply thought out scoreline predictions, don't you, Stefan? Yeah, totally. Um, we we haven't we actually haven't even discussed uh, you know who will play up front for Dortmund. Uh, not not the Haaland situation, but like the entire midfield. But 
if you don't <sighs> if, if you want to skip that we can also just go to predictions. No. I mean, it's basically who didn't play against Bielefeld. So would it be Witzel and Dahoud in midfield? Is this what you expect? I honestly, I wouldn't be surprised to see Bellingham again. Um, yeah, we haven't. I, we I, have hardly mentioned him. He had such a great game against Bielefeld. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, I I'd like to see him against Brugge. I think pairing him up with Delaney, it's kind of like pairing Dahoud up with Delaney. In the sense of Delaney is just such a workhorse that he allows. I mean, granted, Bellingham doesn't shy away from work. That's not what I'm saying. It's just, you know, he's 17 years old. He's a kid. And he can use that veteran presence next to him. Whereas Dahoot needs just that shield at times. Um, so, uh, you know, I think Delaney is one of those guys where Favre just has to tell him you can't play. Otherwise, he will just play all the time. Um, okay, so I... so let me interrupt you right there. Um, mm -hmm. if, if we talk about Delaney and Witzel right now, I have to be honest, I absolutely want Delaney in the Bayern game over Witzel right now. Absolutely. So in that context, I was going to say you, the same yeah, thing. Exactly, but so in that context, would you play him against Bruges or would you say eh, rest him or do you think the rest against Bielefeld was enough? <laughs> I think um, I would honestly, playing against the Belgian side, throw in the Belgian player, Axel Witzel. Um, I, I want to say Witzel played for Standard Liège, but I'm not 100% sure. Again, I'm an absolute Belgian football expert. No, I think, I think expert. you're correct. Um, so, I mean, he there, there's, you know, a little bit of something there. So, yeah, it may not be a bad one to play. Fitzel and Bellingham, and then against Bayern. Can't believe I'm going to say this. You play Delaney and Daoud. <laughs> um, that that you know, if you're going on form and building up experience and uh, building up confidence, I think that may not be a bad strategy, to be honest. Yeah, obviously, with uh, Delaney getting rest against Bielefeld, I meant him being subbed off in the 82nd minute for Witzel. <laughs> no, I know, I know what you meant. That's why I had a little bit of a yeah. little bit of a laugh. I, everyone had a little bit of a rest against Bielefeld, except Hummels. Yeah, no, he uh, he got a four minute rest. <laughs> but yeah, um, so yeah, I I, I don't know if, if we'll see Giorena in there or Torgen Hazard, who obviously is also Belgian. Uh, <laughs> if if we want to make the connection there too, um, so yeah, we'll, we'll we'll see how it works out. To be honest, um, and uh, yeah, Jaden Sancho, I think right now is uh, upping his form again. So I think uh, playing him a little bit more makes sense, just for him to keep his rhythm. I don't think he's a player that right now needs the rest, and obviously Marco Royce. You can throw him in uh, for for a half hour or for for a whole half, and the same with Julian Brandt. Um, especially ahead of Bayern, I would probably not play either of them for the full ninety minutes, just because um, they will need the full freshness, if that makes sense, uh, and and rec recuperation for that game. And uh, I would like to have both of them at hundred percent. So. You know, if if you play Haaland for the full 90 minutes or so, then uh, you can share uh, Royce and Brunt as a number 10 for, I don't know, 45 minutes or 50, 40, something like that. And then, uh, you know, if, if, if the game is decided early, 
you can then take Haaland off and put Hazard up front as, or Hanier or whatever. And even if Dortmund lose their firepower, I, I think, uh, you know, you, you really need to think about the Bayern game because it's it's right now, it's a big game for Dortmund. You know, they have a big chance to, uh, you know, get three points and, and uh, take the top of the Bundesliga table. So, um, you know... The old looking from game to game is all nice and well, but uh, we all know that uh, this is more of a of a line these people say rather than adhering to it, because otherwise Favre wouldn't be rotating as much as he is right now, but rather try to pick the best lineup. But I think he does it too in the context of upcoming games. So why shouldn't we? So um, yeah, but all that being said, uh, Matthias. Uh, I I do think it's going to be Pischek uh, at at center back next to Akanji, and then we'll probably have uh, Munier and Guerrero uh, doing uh, you know the fullback duty, and then maybe maybe Witzel and Dahoud or, or Witzel and Bellingham and, and something like that. And yeah, we'll we'll see. So my prediction <laughs> is I do like your shout by the way of having Rainer play, and yes, I will continue to call him Rainer because I just think it's funny. Um, but you you're I, not calling you not calling him Gio Reiner. <laughs> no, that's even funnier. <laughs> um, but yeah, I I wouldn't mind seeing him and just seeing what he can do. Start him from the beginning and reevaluate at halftime. You know, give him a good solid run out, and you can always adjust then. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, right now, uh, as as Haaland likes to say, Dortmund have one thing going for them. Good teams win on bad days. So, uh, with that in mind, uh, my prediction is uh, three Dortmund, one Bruges. What's yours? I'm going to go a 2-1 victory for Dortmund. Um, and yeah, I agree with you that uh, Brugge will score. They've kind of proven it. They, they score in almost every single match, so I think they will here as well. Yeah, I think it's also going to be a fight for 90 minutes and... Uh, like I said earlier, the game might be pre-decided, but uh, you know, I honestly don't believe that's going to be the case. I think it's going to be uh, a thrill, <laughs> let's put it this way, until stoppage time and uh, or end of stoppage time. And I really do wonder if uh, Dortmund show a different Champions League road face this time because um, they they have a lot, uh, you know, they have to make amends really. Uh, for for previous road performances, so um, this is also for them something where they have to show a little bit more character and uh, yeah. Anyway, and obviously you want the the boost of of the success um, going into the Bayern game and not you know enter the weekend of yet another Champions League loss and so on and so forth, and especially come under more pressure. So anywho. Um, Matthias, uh, thank you for coming on after uh, I was uh, busy uh, building kitchen islands and painting stuff and you were busy doing work stuff and being a dad. <laughs> so uh, please tell our listeners where to follow you on Zitvata. Well, since I haven't been in Twitter jail for almost a week, um, <laughs> you, you can find me on Twitter at Matiasuk. Very nice. And you can find me at Stefan Butzko on Twitter. Uh, so far, not in Twitter jail, but I think when you once you're verified, it's a bit harder to achieve. So they, they just tell you off if, if you infringe DFL copyrights. Um, but anywho, um, you can follow all of us at Yellow Warpod on Twitter and Facebook. And if you want to subscribe to the show, 
please do that via YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, etc. Our written content is theyellowwall.net. If you want to sponsor an episode or contribute financially, then go to patreon.com slash theyellowwall for more information. Or if you have another question, just uh, hit or shoot us an email at uh, yellowwallpod at gmail.com. And uh, that should be it for today. We shall be back with the preview of the Bayern game and obviously a review of the Bruges game uh, on Thursday. So until then, as always, thank you for listening and goodbye. Should I have mentioned that Schalke are still without a win? Yeah. <laughs> Oh well, <laughs> maybe next time.